Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Steve Politi from NJ Advance Media, and welcome back to the Rutgers Rant. Joined as always, Keith Sargent, James Cratch. Fellas, it has been a while since we have done a podcast after a Rutgers Big Ten victory. We're all a lot younger, a lot less jaded, but here we are. Rutgers 38, Michigan State 27. Greg Shano's debut could not have gone any better if you handed him a, a script to write it himself. And look, we've, we've got a lot of things to talk about, personnel stuff. We've got, you know, strategy stuff. We finally can talk about football in a way that it's going to engage fans. I can't wait to do it. I want to bring up two quick points right away. Two things that just in the broader scheme of things stick out to me about this game. The first one is when was the last time that Rutgers was the team most prepared to start a Big Ten game? I mean, under Chris Ash, I don't think it, it happened. And the second thing, when was the last time that Rutgers looked like the more confident team during the gut check moments of a game? And I, you know, and I think back to it, and Cratch, you wrote about it uh, yesterday, that moment when they, they turn the ball over twice, a pair of fumbles in their own territory. You know, Michigan State has the ball. I was thinking to myself, this is it, and this is the moment. It was a nice start. At least they can build on some positives here, but this game's going the other way. And then you have that just incredible defensive stand, Cratch. No, that I think that moment right there, you know, I wrote it. That was kind of the moment where you said, okay, all of this stuff about changing the culture, getting records back to where it was, this is going to ring true. This has happened. You know, that's the situation where, you know, and go back to it. They gave the, the first turnover the, after the muff punt, they gave a big touchdown play immediately. You know, it was kind of like, okay, here we go again. The other shoe is finally about to drop. So I think, you know, Michael Dwumfor's stop up front, uh, you, you know, and one thing that was kind of mentioned to me, uh, which I think, could be kind of a indirect kind of hidden thing. I had a high school coach go tell me, did Michigan State go for it on fourth down because they were so afraid that Rutgers was going to block the field goal attempt? Because, huh. <laughs> you know, we saw that they got a lot of heat in right before halftime. So even then, he's, the, the point was that culture change is evident, you know, to people who watch this team every week in the sense that, Maybe Michigan State's sitting there thinking to themselves, they're going to block this field goal if we try to kick it, so we have to go for it. But even then, just a tremendous moment, I think, and kind of it could be one of the defining moments of this season that they get off the field, they go down, they kick the field goal, take the two-score lead back, and, and they don't trail by – they you know, they led by two scores the rest of the way. <laughs> Absolutely. And, Sarge, we, you know, we talked about a lot about the impact that Shiano could have in the first season. I think we spent a lot of time focusing on the staff he was hiring, on recruiting, on all the things going on behind the scenes, the program building facility stuff, we really didn't just focus on the one thing that, you know, this is a guy who, you know, just when he has a presence that people believe in, that people follow him. And I, I think that that was evident right from the start. Without a question. Um, the one thing that stood out to me, and you, you really want to get to the root of what Greg Ciano is, is 
defense. And that defense looked, if you put on the tape from 2006 or 2007, you know, just from the mentality of swarming to the ball, guys uh, stripping the ball. We haven't seen that a whole lot. You know, Avery Young did that. Um, Guys falling on the ball, not, not trying to dance, not trying to pick up the ball and try to run with it, falling on the ball cradling it all the type of things that Graciano would preach during practice and you know they did it and when you when you have seven t- uh, turnovers you know granted one, one of them was on special teams but when you have when you have six uh, turnovers on, on, on defense it's you know it just shows you that it doesn't happen by accident I know Shiano said after the game that you can't count on it every game but you know that, that's what they were doing back in the day too right right and then and there's so many different ways that defense improved you know I, I mean I, I I thought that they would be better up front Cratch but it really looked like they were much better than we even really thought they were going to be up front they blitzed like who knew you could do that in a Big Ten football game <laughs> right. just amazing you know amazing what happens when you don't just ask the guys up front hey like beat your man or you know nothing's going to happen no I thought they had a lot of stunts they're creative uh, they rotated a bunch of defensive linemen up front I I mean, I think maybe too many guys, you know, they, Michigan State kind of caught them in transition a couple times, and right. they had that penalty, legal substitution penalty, where they had 16 guys on the field, it looked like. Uh, you know, Julius Turner, I thought, was the best player on the field. You know, this it seems like this tilted nose guard position, obviously – you're going to play better teams. And I, I think, look, not to rain on anybody's parade, but you have to preface that Michigan State did not look like a very good team. I don't think they're going to win many games this season. But uh, the defense was tremendous. They're flying around, swarming to the ball, you know, stripping it, the, the takeaways. Uh, they just lo- looked much more cohesive as a unit and obviously better coached than we did the last time they saw them. Right. I mean, I think, again, you could, you, could have, you could have foreseen they'd be better on defense. And, and, you know, you could have even foreseen that they would have won the game. And I've got to tip my hat to both of you guys. You picked them to win this game, which I did not. I, I don't think it's possible to have gone into this game thinking that Rutgers would be like that on offense. And I know that they had, you know, several short scoring drives and the turnovers helped. But, you know, I mean, really, it doesn't matter what the, what, if they scored five touchdowns on offense in a Big Ten road game uh, after scoring six touchdowns the entire Big Ten season last year. I mean, it's, it's just remarkable. And, you know, we saw quarterback competency with, with Vedral, obviously. Sarge, was there anything that, that stuck out to you about what the offense did and the style of the offense that, that made a difference to you? Well, I mean, it starts with the quarterback. I mean, no, no Vedral, if there was any question, like, you know, who should be running this offense, it, it's him. I mean, he really fits – the scheme perfectly. I mean, you know, there there were times and Cratch, you know, broke it down on the film review, which we'll get to that in a second because, you know, it's been a long pandemic. I think we can all agree to that, uh, Politi. And there's a lot of things that I miss, whether it's right. going to concerts or outdoor events. But there's probably nothing I've missed more than the, that film review. So no, Monday morning when I when I when I woke up. If you know, I had I mean, to rank it, Sarge, it would be my, my kids going back to school would be one. The film review would be two. And then seeing my, my, my extended family would be three, I think, if I would, I would list it that way. Yeah, go on. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, so, in Cratch, you know, alluded to it in the film review, but there were times where, where, where you know, things were just, you know, it wasn't schemed. It, you know, uh, Vedral just made something out of nothing. So, I think it starts with the quarterback, continues with, you know, Isaiah Pacheco, who, who's, you know, numbers were pedestrian. They got him involved in the past game. You know, the kid just, you know, runs hard, you know, really set the tempo. What, what, what I liked more than anything from, from an offensive standpoint, I remember, you know, a year ago pressing Chris Ash in, in, in press conferences. I think it was like a streak of like 12 games, 14 games in a row where they, they hadn't scored a touchdown on the opening drive. 
they went down 10 plays, 75 yards, capped it with uh, Pacheco uh, 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 running. They look physical. You know, all that type of stuff is schemed ahead of time. You know, they, they, they script probably the first 20 plays. So all that stuff, stuff was script. Now, now Cratch, you know, w- w- was right, you know, as far as the rest of the day. They took advantage of short field uh, positions. You know, didn't do too many sustained drives, but the first drive of the game really set the tone. Right, and they made a lot of mistakes too, Cratch. I mean, this was not a perfect offensive performance by any, by any stretch, but it was still – you saw the plan, and you, like, you, you knew what they were trying to do, and I thought it was well-crafted, well, you know, well-executed, Vedral and Pacheco making decisions smart at the line. You know, it was just overall – there was just a lot to like. No, look, obviously they, they won the game. They scored – five touchdowns and you can't really knock them for that. I thought that Sean Gleason, you know, what, what Greg Shiano said in the, in the off season about how he's a guy who, who designs an offense that fits his personnel. He doesn't try to, you know, jam his personnel into whatever his scheme is. I thought you saw that. I thought they ran an offense that fits the pieces they have. They've got some very talented backs. They've got a quarterback in Noah Vedrill who his arm is just strong enough. You know, he can make things with happen with his, with his feet. I think he makes good decisions. You know, even the, the interception he threw, that wasn't on him. I mean, I, I it was kind of tough because obviously the TV copy, they cut right to the play, but it looks like Giovanni Haskins just ran the wrong route. Wasn't where he was supposed to be. And that's where that pick came from. But then again, I, I just, you know, I look at that offense. I think they did everything they had to do to win this game. But I do wonder against better opponents, are you going to be able to kind of generate that same sort of offense that they had? You know, wide receivers, you know, Bo Melton had a good game. Aaron Crookshank had a good game. But still, five drops from the receivers. You know, I didn't necessarily see the major strides I think that people are hoping for from that group. So, Look, I think a lot of it's going to – we're going to – I always said this was the litmus test, uh, Michigan State, in terms of, like, can this team be competitive in the Big Ten? Can they win a Big Ten game? They checked that box off with flying colors. Now I think Indiana's a big litmus test of, okay, what do we truly know about this team against a really good team as we've seen the Hoosiers are? Right. And I think, I think you, made, you, you said it there, like, you know, just being able to compete in a Big Ten game, you know, this offense gives you a chance to at least, you know, have a chance to beat the teams at your – level you're right yeah I don't know if it's going to be good enough to to score points against you know sort of leave Ohio State out of it but even Michigan or Indiana very good defense but you know at least you saw this from this team that you can hope that maybe this season we be better than we thought and this is a good point to, to, to lead into Sarge does this win change for you what you thought this team was going to get out of this season and does it raise the expectations a little bit yes I mean both Yes to both both, both answers. Um, I, I, I think we can safely say that they're going to be more competitive. Uh, Graciano talked about, uh, you know, needing, wanting to be, uh, to, to be in the game, have a chance to win as you enter the fourth quarter. I, I think they're going to be that type of team. I think they're going to be a type of team that uh, are going to be able to do that. Now, Cratch is right. You know, the offensive line, I think they probably disguised a lot of their 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 their, their warts with, with, with the ability to kind of float the pocket a little bit. So I think, you know, we're not, I, I'm, I'm not as confident in, in, in the, uh, you know, the ability of the offensive line. Uh, they mixed and matched a lot. I don't think they have a, you know, a, a settled lineup yet. I'm not as confident in the, uh, in the offensive line being being able to uh, you know keep it up and you know Big Ten play the entire grind of it. 
Um, that being said, I think this is a really good defense. I think the defense, you know, has some depth, you know, which we kind of saw from the depth chart going into it. You know, Graciano, I think it was, you know, as good as advertised from a game planning uh, standpoint. I think this team is going to be a lot more competitive than we thought. Right. And I, I don't know how you feel about Kratz, but I thought going into, you know, if they won one or two games and showed progress, you'd be, okay, this is a good first season. Now you look at the schedule. And I watched a lot of Big Ten football, and we'll get into this. It was just a, you know, just a great weekend for the Big Ten. Uh, I mean, Illinois, I mean, Maryland got curb stomped by Northwestern. You know, even Purdue, they beat Iowa, but they didn't look like you know, world beaters, certainly. I don't know. <laughs> Do you look at the schedule and say, yeah, there's a couple more wins here? Well, you know, I, I picked them to go two and seven. I thought they were going to beat Maryland. I'll stick with that. Uh, yes, I, I do look at it and think to myself, hey, Illinois, Purdue, those might be gettable now. And obviously, if you get those, you're four and four. And I think we're going to talk about it a little bit later. Four and four in 2020, you're probably going to a bowl game potentially. You know, so yeah, I, I do think, but at the same time, too, I think that Illinois is better than a blowout loss to Wisconsin. Right. I think Purdue on the road at Thanksgiving, if, you know, God willing, we get that far with this season, oh, good point. is, is mm-hmm. going to be a good team. But, you know, do I think that they're going to compete with, with Indiana this weekend? Probably not. Uh, I don't think they're going to be, be able to really hang with Michigan or Ohio State. You know, Penn State, I, I think, is kind of the great question. I'm sure we'll talk about that later as well in terms of what, what, where, do, where they kind of stand when they finally come here. I think it's December 5th. But, no, I, it doesn't change too much for me. I, I thought they were going to beat Michigan State. I still think they're going to beat Maryland. I think the real key is going to be can they sustain that against an Illinois or a Purdue, which is, as you said, kind of a second-tier, competent Big Ten program. And I just don't know if Michigan State is that right now. So that's why, from now, for me, it hasn't really changed my expectations. All right, fellas, let's dive into true-false. We haven't been able to do this in a while. You know the rules. I'm going to give you a statement. Tell me if it's true or false, and then we'll go back and discuss all of it later. The first one, Cratch just hinted on it. True or false, Rutgers is going bowling. Keith Sargent, true or false? Wow. <laughs> You've had so much time to think about this. You're true. 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 He went true. Cratch. False. Yeah, I got to go false on that now. We'll get to it in a minute, though. Sarge has got a great theory on this. You're going to love it. True or false, Vedral is the best quarterback Rutgers has had since Gary Nova. Cratch, true or false? True. Sarge? Man, one game? Um, Come on. It's a podcast. (laughs) Don't overthink it, right? True. (laughs) True or false, Rutgers finally has receivers who can get open, but they still can't catch. Sarge, true or false? False. Okay. Cratch? False. False in that they can't get open? <laughs> that's good. <laughs> or that they can't catch. I guess that's a bad, that's a bad question to ask. All right, we'll come back to that. True or false? Trey Avery is off to an All-American level start. Keith Sargent, Ooh. true or false? True. Cratch? Sure, why not? True. Why not? True or false? If Spartan Stadium was packed, this would have been a different game. Sarge, true or false? True. Cratch? Uh, true, I guess. Yeah, it's not, it's not that one of those venues that gets scared of, but it would have been yeah. different, I think. Okay, true or false? James Franklin is the nation's worst game coach. Sarge, true or false? False. False. <laughs> not the nation's worst. Cratch. Is the Big Ten's worst game coach? You can be true there. I, uh, I know Mike Lockley's still in the league. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say false. Nah, I'd false. give it to Mike Lockley. <laughs> Mel Tucker, too. I mean, yeah, after one game, yeah. All right, true or false? Forget that. The refs hosed Penn State in that game against Indiana. Sarge, true or false? 
<laughs> False. Scratch. False. Yeah, you got to give him the touchdown. It was such a beautiful play. All right, and finally, true or false, Indiana is a 12-point favorite. That seems high. Sarge, true or false? I'm sorry. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm going to have to let, uh, let you go. I'm, I'm headed to Delaware right now, the, the place to bet, so um, I can't really uh, – I'm going to have to get back to you on that one. <laughs> Bringing cash money to Delaware. I like it. I am. <laughs> Uh, that's a false. About that <laughs> that's a false. I think 12 yeah. is about right, too. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, I think it's wrong, but not the way you're thinking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow. All right. Let's go. Cry. Sorry. Let's go right to the pot. What is your bowl scenario? Your Rutgers Bowl goes bowling scenario here. Well, the, the, in, in normal times, it would be uh, they have to have a 500 uh, record or better uh, in order to be bowl eligible. Um, the, the football bowl association did away with that criteria. So now, you know, technically they could be, you know, one, one and seven and, 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 and go to a bowl game. However, uh, it'll be, and I, you know, I talked to a couple of bowl officials about this. There will be a story uh, coming uh, tomorrow about it, but it will be basically up to each conference to determine it. So, you know, ideally the big 10 is going to have, you know, eight or nine teams that are, are going to be probably right at you know 500 or better. So you would think that they would uh, slot it, but then after that, then then uh, then the uh, bowls will have a little leeway. Um, so there is a scenario where Rutgers could go three and five. Um, you know, maybe three wins um, right, and, right. and go to a bowl game. Um, the other uh, scenario that comes into play is from talking to people. There is a you know strong likelihood that bowls you know traditionally you know teams arrive four days in advance you know uh, get to a bowl uh, you know do, do do some events that won't be the case you know in the age of COVID where you know travel hotels all the other things that 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 that, that you're trying to 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 uh, uh, go against you don't want you know uh, to, to do that uh, much travel so the more likelihood is to keep teams closer to that bowl destination. So that would probably mean that if Rutgers was, uh, you know, you know, in, in position to be, you know, in, you know, up for a bowl that we're, we're headed back to the pinstripe bowl. So, wow. um, I do think that, you know, look, it's one game. So, you know, there's a, you know, there's probably, you know, if you're doing Vegas odds, there's probably more likely than not that they go two and seven, two and two and six, for, uh, you know, as a result of this season. But, um, you know, I think we can dream. And I think that the, 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 that's why I said when you when you ask true or false, Rutgers are going to go to a bowl game. I think this team's going to be better. I think there's a strong likelihood that you know w- that we could be looking at a team that's either three and five or or four and four that's going to go to a bowl game. Cratch, you've got crazy theories and everything. What do you think about this? <laughs> so I will preface by saying I I'm a little dis- I, I really think the pandemic was the perfect kind of inflection point for the bowl system to do what what they should do, which is that with the exception of like the New Year's Six bowls and like the big bowls that you know you know the the Outback Bowl stuff like that. ESPN owns all of these games. They should rent out a stadium in Orlando for a week and a stadium in San Diego for a week. Turn them into basically sound stages and just literally play bowl games there every day fly a team in, superimpose a new logo on the 50-yard line, play the game, get rid of them. I think this is a moment for bowl games. I mean, like, let's – I mean, all due respect to, to the great people of Boise, Idaho, like, who wants to go to Boise, Idaho in mid-December for the famous Idaho Potato Bowl? But if we could play it in San Diego and just 
CGI your logo on the field. Why not? Let's do it. Play the Bahamas Bowl in Orlando. Who cares? Uh, to go back to what Sarge saying, I hear what he's saying. I just have a couple thoughts. One, I you know, doing the top 25, if BYU goes undefeated, they're going to get into the playoff or the New Year, a New Year's Six Bowl. They are an independent. They don't count toward that group of five spot. So I think there's a very good chance you're going to have BYU and a group of five team. Let's say Cincinnati because I think they're the best group of five team by far. So if you have two, you know, non-power five teams in the, the big bowls, that's going to create a trickle-down effect where I think a, a team like Wisconsin, you know, if Ohio, if Ohio State wins the playoff, you know, gets to the playoff, they might be the only Big Ten team in, in that game in the New Year's Six because the Rose Bowl is the semifinal. So I just think you're going to create a trickle down where you're going to have a team like Wisconsin or Michigan that in a normal year they'd be going to the Orange Bowl. But now all of a sudden they're in the Outback Bowl just because that's how the, the, you know, the, the chips fall. So, and I also am intrigued to see how many of these lower tier bowl games actually get played, given that they can't, you know, like the quick lane bowl in Detroit. I mean, do you really play that game when you can't, you can't have fans in the stands? So that's why I tend to think Rutgers is going to have a hard time getting a bowl game. Because A, I don't know how many of them are going to get played. And B, I think you're going to see the Big Ten sending much stronger teams to some of their second tier games than they usually do. I've got to say something to both of you here. And it's yes. important you listen to this. You, you need to chop the moment, okay? <laughs> All right. This you're not chopping the moment. This is this is you know, I've listened. You've listened to Coach Chiano. This is far and above what we should be talking about. But it's interesting. I will say that. All right. Let's do some insider questions. And guys, I got to tell you, you know, we talk about this a lot about you know, <laughs> Rutgers winning is good for us. You know, we saw a definite boost in people subscribing to our Rutgers Insider. We're grateful for all the newcomers, everyone who's been with us. Thank you. Your questions this week, we had more than 60 questions, so we can't get to them all, but we're going to try to dive in. And, and all 60 of you asked this one. Let me start with this. Not sure about the strategy of short kickoffs don't like it. And I love this, Sarge. This is what I said this to JP, tomorrow, a friend of the podcast, when he said this during the game on Twitter, he's like, what's with the kickoffs? And I'm like, JP, it's like you sat down at the restaurant and someone put like a 48 ounce porterhouse in front of you. And you're like, you're looking at it and you're but yeah, but you know, the croutons are a little soggy. <laughs> And his point back to me is a good point. We're good. It was a good, a good comeback. He says, well, no one likes soggy croutons. And you're right. But, I mean, to worry about the kickoffs on a day like that, I get it. It was, it was a weird thing. And strategically, I don't know if I agree with it, Cratch. You wrote something about it. You know, are you worried about the kickoffs? Or is it just, this, just, just something that you choke up to overcoaching? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not worried about it just because if you go back to the stats, Guy Fava, the, the surprise place kicker of the Scarlet Knights, you know, I never thought that Rutgers would win the first Big Ten game since I've been on the beat, and we'd have a place kicker controversy coming out of it. <laughs> it's great. But, yeah, I mean, hey, I love it. You know me. I love minutia and weird stuff. So, um, but. No, I mean, he last year his kickoffs, uh, Fava, were, were just, you know, two and a half yards off of Davidovitz's average. He had two touchbacks. Um, there's a, a video I saw, you know, like on social media of him kicking a 60-yarder, you know, off a tee when he was at Don Bosco Prep. I think that was just a, a, a strategic decision the Rutgers used. Um, not a huge fan of it. You know, if, if you can kick the ball through the back of the end zone, I would just do that. But – 
that being said, you know, I, I think it was, it was clearly a strategic thing. I mean, look, if, if they do it again this week, then maybe it's a concern, but for now I, I would not panic about it, but you know what? It's really wonderful for the Rutgers fan base that they can sit here on a Monday after a conference game and bitch and moan about the kickoff strategy. Absolutely. All right. Another common question. Was it us or them? Are we good or dot, 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 question mark, question mark, Sarge? I mean, I think you'd agree that, you know, we talked about a little bit. Michigan State wasn't good, and they were terrible in this game. Uh, That's got to be half of it. But the other half, I mean, yeah, I I think you were better, right? I mean, Rutgers is better. Well, we've made made a point. I've written this before, but uh, Michigan State was known for for its ability to develop, you know, three star recruits. They've never been, you know, in, in the top half of the Big Ten as far as uh, recruiting rankings, and a lot of that credit came, went to Mark D'Antonio. Well, he's no longer there, so um, you know, some, at some point, you probably look at you know from from the talent. Uh, they've obviously had some defections with with, with some 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 issues in their program the last couple of years, mm-hmm. so. Not sure what what Mel Tucker inherited. He did take over uh, the program in February, uh, a full two months, you know, after Graciano. Uh, I, I know the uh, Big Ten uh, analysts after the game uh, uh, brought that up. Uh, that might be fair. So, you know, all that being said, um, I'm not willing to say that you know that Rutgers long term is is, is going to be you know way far ahead. I do know talking to Greg Schiano in the past that he has kind of you know modeled what uh, Michigan State did. You know, it wasn't so long ago they were you know playing in, in you know in in the uh, you know you know in New, New Year's Day, Day Bowl. So I know that's a, a model for his program as far as you know getting uh, you know three star four star recruits and, and and molding them into you know Big Ten uh, caliber players. I know that's a model. Um, I'm not willing to say that Rutgers is going to be, be you know, light years ahead of this program just yet. All right, Cratch, why don't you take this one? Which, which Rutgers player performances on Saturday exceeded your expectations the most? I mean, for me, it's all five offensive linemen. Um, I mean, what do you think? Which, which, which players stand out that, that surprised you the most? No, I think that unit um... – played you know very well I, I think that you know there's a lot of heat on that group and we'll see how the season progresses but it was a really good first start and I thought that the one thing I noticed with all the mixing and matching that they did uh, you know with Crimin at center to star then they brought in Hanson they kind of moved Palant around Sam Vretman was in there I didn't really see a drop off with any of their various lineups obviously I know that they didn't have the longest drives in the world with some of those groupings but it seemed like they were pretty solid I think it's a good sign for them if they truly have you know eight nine guys they can kind of put in and out uh I thought Avery Young had a big day, and that was big for him, in my opinion, just because he's a guy who I thought, quite frankly, regressed last season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, especially he regressed after, you know, to his credit, uh, he regressed after Chris Ash got fired. You know, Chris Ash was a – he's an accomplished defensive backs coach, and I don't think it was a coincidence that that group struggled once he was no longer with them on a day-to-day basis. So I thought that was big for Avery Young. And then Julius Turner, I thought, was incredible at the, at the tilted nose. I thought he was the best player on the field – and he's a guy who I think has always – they've always talked about him being explosive and, and having an ability to play, you know, bigger than his size and have quick hands and, and shed blockers. But it seems like Greg Schiano has finally figured out how to tap that and use him in his scheme. Is that the nicest thing, Politi, that Kratz has ever said about Chris Ash? He's an accomplished defensive back coach. I know. I think that right now it's going on his, his, he's going to put it on his LinkedIn page as a recommendation. <laughs> and he might, he might need to update that. I didn't see what happened against Texas this week, but uh, they beat Baylor. They beat Baylor. Oh, wow. Okay. No, yeah. take it back. Take I think Baylor back. then had like two kids quit. Oh, boy. Yeah. Which, there you go. Yeah. 
All right, this one's for you, Sarge. Uh, I'd like to know how the veteran players feel about the coaching compared to the Ash era. What are the main differences? You know, and I mean, I, I certainly, you know, they buy in because you, you listen to the post-game interviews and they, you know, they just, they're, they're brainwashed from the Shiano speak at this point already. I mean, what do you think the main differences are? By the way, you remember how tired we were, all of us, uh, fan, uh, like uh, media and fans alike of, of chopping every single quote. It got to a point like we, we would refuse to even like use it. Like, I mean, it was all the time back in 2010, 2011. And now we're like, just so so giddy to hear it and like oh my god chopping really chopped the moment Mike Tiburtoff Avery Young you oh, chopped really how cute I know uh, right it's gonna get old in her again but that's right now it's good it'll be it'll be old by by like uh you know seven o'clock uh, you know on, on on Saturday night you know after the Indiana game um so how are they responding I I, I think the proof is in the pudding I mean you, you know you're you're seeing guys like Mike Tiburtoff who who uh just you know they're they're they're, they're you know winning you know, kind of uh, solves a lot of it, right? I mean, you you, you know that, um, you know, if you, if you grind out through a long uh, preseason and then they would have lost, then things might be a little bit different. But winning kind of is a testament to, to, to the hard work. I so I watched a, a an interview with Avery Young on, on BTN right after the game where he talked about just the grind and, and probably every single, um, you know, Big Ten, uh, you know, player, yeah, I probably would say the same thing. But when you win, when you have an upset, when you win your first Big Ten game, like uh, Avery Young, like Mike Tiburtoff and, and Tyshawn Fogg and a lot of these guys have done, um, you know, I think, I think you know, they're, they're going to buy in, you know, ra- rather quickly. All right. This is, this is a good one. And it, uh, it goes into what uh, Kreitcher wrote about it several times in the offseason. What inspired Coach Shiano to hire a coach like uh, Sean Gleason, given that pro-style offenses w- were fun during his first tenure? I mean, is it simple as Urban Meyer? I mean, is that the answer? Or is, or is, there, more, is there more to why he went after Sean Gleason for that offense? Well, I think Urban has a, has a plays a big part in it. I mean, I, I think he got there and he realized this is, you know, for better or worse, this is the way college football is kind of going. You know, I mean, there, you know, even a team like Wisconsin, I think, is not traditionally, you know, a, like line them up, you know, I form thing. I also think that the issue, you know, the NFL kind of going in this direction. We saw in Sunday Night Football, you know, people were kind of scratching their head when the Arizona Cardinals hired Cliff Kingsbury after he got fired at Texas Tech. Looks like it was a pretty good move, you know, in hindsight. So, I think it's that, but I think the biggest thing that Gleason has is he is a coach who, as I mentioned earlier, he doesn't come in with a playbook and throw it on the table and tell the new, his players, hey, run this. He kind of tailors his playbook and what he does to fit the players. And I think that, you know, is of great importance for Rutgers because until they, you know, get through a couple of recruiting classes and have all their guys there, they're going to have to kind of, you know, make do with some spare parts and some guys that they didn't recruit and might not necessarily fit their philosophy. I think you saw that on Saturday. They were able to mask, you know, some of the deficiencies on the offensive line. They were able to utilize the receivers they have, you know, put together packages that they, you know, let Vedvet play to his strengths. I think that's the main reason why Gleason's here. And, and frankly, Rutgers has to keep him here for a while, which might be tough. 
All right, last question. And again, guys, I appreciate you. See, you know, there's so many we couldn't get to them all. I'm going to let, I'm going to let Kevin Fine, our, our friend out there in Indiana, who was at least in the same general vicinity as the game, or as the, the big, exciting uh, other 1-0 team in the, the Big Ten. Uh, one of the best Shianuisms is a team improves the most between week one and week two after an absolutely transcendent performance. What would be on the wish list to be fine-tuned? See what he did there, Sarge? I'm going to say... Uh, you know, catching the ball. I mean, it just there were just too many drops for the receivers. You know, I don't know if they if they're good enough to have separation yet. Uh, I didn't I didn't see enough. You know, you got they've got to shore that up and, and get better hands. What are you fixing, Sarge? What one thing you you need to see most the most? Well, I mean, it should be noted that I did ask Graciano that question, and he kind of went back to the chopping thing and kind of dismissed yeah. it. Dismissed, like he just didn't want any part of it and said that they need to improve in all phases. Which, right. you know. Yeah, you know, thanks, Coach. But <laughs> <laughs> I think I, you I want the back, uh, Sarge. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. I'm, done I'm, I'm already done. One bad press conference answer. You're like, oh, gee, this guy. <laughs> oh, so no, I, I I think you're right. I think it's the 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 there were some drops. Uh, the Haskins play was interesting because I I, I think uh, Cratch you know, said said that you know, he ran the wrong route. I think he just didn't come back to the ball because I think a series or two later, I think they ran the same play. And it was different because he actually came back to the ball. Um, you know, so maybe that was, you know, a, you know, a route issue. But I, I did find it interesting that they tried to, to hit him in the back of the end zone at one point. I think the tight end is going to be more involved than we thought. Um, you know, and I think they have, you know, the makings of a good one in, in, in Haskins. All right, let's go to an Indiana preview again. Just probably the biggest win in, I don't know, I mean, I, I don't have the entire Indiana history in front of me, but I'm guessing that's a top three type of win for that program. They come here 1-0, and you know, the, the, they, uh, Tom Allen has built this thing 5-7, and 5-7, and 8-5 and five last year. I think this is probably one of the best teams they've had in a long time. But they still won with 200 yards offense. Uh, Cratch. Just go on to give me some thoughts on Indiana and give me a prediction here. What do you think is going to happen on Saturday? You know, I asked Greg Shiano about this. It, it's kind of hard. You know, you, obviously you know what they've run on offense, but they were, you know, they didn't have seven takeaways. They had three, but, you know, they won the game in large part because their defense put the offense in a position to kind of get, you know, short field score touchdowns. They got, you know, Rutgers got outgained by, I think, 103 yards. I think it was over 200 for Indiana. Um, I, I don't really know what to expect. I mean, look, I, I think Indiana is going to be much better than Michigan State. And I think if you look at the way the series has kind of turned, Indiana's won four straight meetings. We were all, you and I were there in Bloomington for 35 nothing last year where oh, please. You know, the, the turnover over on the first play of the game, one yard passing. Uh, Indiana's ahead of Rutgers, and I think the key for Rutgers long-term is if you're going to make moves in the Big Ten, you need to be better than Indiana. You know, that's, that's step one, to climb over them. I think Indiana's been to the Rose Bowl once. I think it was maybe 1960, if I remember correctly off the top of my head. So I think it's a tough matchup for Rutgers. I think Indiana is a team that I'm not ready to say that they're a Big Ten East competitor yet i still think they're probably maybe the you know third third or fourth best team in the, in the division but it's a good test for them but i i do think it's a tough matchup i think indiana probably covers that 12 points you know relatively easily sarge your thoughts on the hoosiers 
Um, the the point is uh, that that Cratch made toward the end, where he said that you know Rutgers, when they're for them to ever make uh, you know the leap, they're going to have to be on on the same level. It starts with Indiana, and it starts with Maryland. I think you might have put, pointed that out in your column as well. Um, it might be a little early. Um, Indiana, looking at them against Penn State, I think they're they, they are ahead. Um, the other thing I found interesting is, is you know, when you kind of touched on it before, just the, you know, what does home field advantage, you know, mm-hmm. do, you know, yeah. now? Because um, Rutgers, you know, had to been, been playing, I don't know if it would have been sold out, but, you know, can you imagine, like, what, what it would have been like, you know, at, you know, at that stadium on, on, at 3.30 on, on, on Saturday, Graciano's uh, return, uh, coming off a win? It would have been it would have been awesome, right? Great atmosphere would have absolutely been like the old adage of you know home field advantage is worth three points. Not going to have that, um, you know. Now look, Rutgers might have taken advantage of, of the lack of home field advantage with Michigan State as we brought up. So um, I do think that Rutgers is going to be a lot more competitive. I think there's going to be a game into the fourth quarter, kind of what you know Greg Schiano talked about it being his goal. I think they might come up a little short. I'm going to say Indiana. All right. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. And, you know, I guess if you're, if you were like me and you just turned that game on, the Penn State game, you know, when it got really interesting in the fourth quarter, you, you saw a really exciting game. Indiana was terrible up until that point. I guess it, uh, Michael Penix was, was 11 to 29 for like 112 yards or something until, until, you know, they turned it on at the end to, to steal that game, really. Uh, so the one thing that worries me, you know, this is a quarterback with mobility, and I, I know it's a different defense, it's a different year. Rutgers has struggled against uh, quarterbacks that, that, that can move the ball. I'd be interested to see what, you know, Rob Smith, the defensive coordinator in Seattle, come up with to, to, to counter that. Um, you know, it's, I just have to think about the, the last few meetings just had just illustrated where the talent gap was between Indiana and between Rutgers. And I still think that that is a big gap to make up in one year, even with all the players they've added. You know, I think this is going to be a come back to earth kind of moment, you know, like a, a 35-14 kind of game for Indiana. I think that this is a, this is just a tough one, a tough matchup, a team on the rise. And, you know, Rutgers certainly is not going to be able to count on having seven turnovers again. All right, fellas, good podcast. Exciting. What else you got? Any, any, any final thoughts? Two, two things. One, I just checked 1968 was Indiana's last Rose Bowl, so I shorted him by eight years. Two, the second biggest game, in my, my opinion for Rutgers this weekend, is Ohio State-Penn State. Here's why. If Penn State loses to Ohio State at 0-2, they're out of the playoff race, they're out of the Big Ten East race. Like, what, is, what do they really have to keep them going in life? Their ceiling is probably the Outback Bowl at this point. So I wonder, like, do they keep that whole roster together? I, I keep waiting for one of these, you know, top 25 caliber teams that has a disappointing, you know, run for some players to say, hey, you know, I'm going to go get ready for the NFL. I don't need to do this, all the protocols and everything. But two, Rutgers gets Penn State at home late in the season. If they've got nothing to play for, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that is the – maybe this past weekend wasn't the defining moment of record season. Maybe it comes against Penn State later in the year. Wow. wow. Chop the moment saying, there to that one. I'm chopping quite forward. <laughs> you have you – have, you're, aiming, you're aiming for the center of a redwood. You're in the Sequoias now, Cratch, with that axe. I, I, I'm impressed. Sarge, any final thoughts? I have some trivia. Yeah. Hit me. I have some trivia. I think uh, we've done this before. I'm going to open up to the panel here. Okay. Uh, the, the, when was the last time Rutgers opened the season with a conference win? Now, keep in mind, normally they will play a non-conference uh, you know, team. I think Cincinnati in 2009, we, we know how that turned out. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they lost that one. But the last time Rutgers opened the season with a conference win. 
guys. Uh, you you stumped the band here. Can you give me a hint? Okay, who, who was president? <laughs> it was uh, the uh, first George B- uh, Bush. Okay. All right. Um, God, when would I bet you'd know the answer to this then? When would that be? Was it like 91 in Syracuse, potentially? First Big East 1991, game? 1991. Yep, the first Big East game, 1991. They opened the season by beating Boston College. Wow, okay. There you go. That's a long time. That, that long first time. off, you, like I said, that you normally don't play a conference uh, team, so that's kind of unique. But the last time they actually beat a conference opponent to open the season, the first game. It was they win their second. They win time. their second conference game. When was the last time they were two and I did not look. That, I didn't. I didn't delve that far. But yeah, no. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for this. It was a good podcast. I enjoyed it. Keith Sargent, James Cratch, Steve Politi signing off. We'll be back after the Indiana game to talk some more football.